invite you to join me in God's Word and New Testament letter written to the Christians in Colossae, Colossians, Colossians chapter 2 this morning, beginning in verse 6 as we continue our message series from Colossians. And as you turn there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we do come before you now and Lord, we invite you to continue leading us this morning, to continue guiding us as we've come together to worship you, Lord. And we do pray that you would direct our attention, Lord, that you direct our focus now on your word, that you might speak to us, that you might challenge us, that you might encourage us through your written word for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you've heard the phrase, talk the talk and walk the walk. It's a way of conveying the importance of doing what you actually say you do. This would be like saying practice what you preach or put your actions where your words are. And this morning as we continue in this this study, in Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossae, we come to the action portion of this letter. In other words, Paul has been writing, he's been Conveying, he's been communicating deep theological truths, theological statements about who God is and what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be one who has been redeemed through the blood of Christ. And now he begins to shift gears in our passage this morning and convey uh, truths, applying those truths, uh, communicating to us as Christians, as followers of Christ, what it means to live in light of those truths. This is similar to what uh, we experience when we open up an instruction booklet to a new board game. And we first read the object or the summary of the game, see what it is that we're trying to accomplish, how we can win this game, and then we turn our attention to the step-by-step instructions of how to pursue that goal. Well, Paul has been given in the opening chapter of uh, the book of Colossians, he has been given a talk, so to speak, uh, about what it means to know God and to follow God and uh, to know uh, the truths of God. And now he begins to uh, encourage his hearers, to exhort his readers, his listeners, on how they can walk in light of that talk. And the central truth, I think, that he conveys from our short passage together this morning, Colossians chapter 2, Verses 6 and 7 is that receiving Jesus as Lord means living like He is Lord. Receiving Jesus as Lord, receiving Him as Master, as Savior, as who He claims to be in, in accordance with the written record of God's Word, receiving Him as Lord means actually living like He is our Lord. Look with me now at Colossians chapter 2, beginning in Verse 6, and there God's word reads this way. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. One more time. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Receiving Jesus as Lord means living like He is Lord. As Baptists, we uh, are 
greatly influenced and have been greatly influenced by the leaders of the Protestant Reformation and a re-emphasis on salvation by grace through faith in Christ. And we ought to be thankful for people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Roger Williams and Ulrich Zwingli, men and women who stood up to a corrupt church, corrupt practices of the church in their day in the 16th and 17th century and re-emphasized the personal nature of following Christ. Emphasizing that salvation is, is for all. Whosoever will respond to the truths of the gospel, all can be restored to right relationship with God simply by receiving the grace of God as displayed through the cross of Christ by faith in Christ. Yet the flip side of that truth is that if we're not careful, we, we overemphasize, not as if we could overemphasize salvation by, by grace, but, but we diminish the living aspect of Christianity. We're not careful, we, we downgrade or we decrease or we belittle the, the walking with Christ, the following Christ, the devotion to Christ, the, the living as if He is indeed Lord, the continuing of our lives in Him. You know, Jesus didn't come simply asking people to, to say a prayer or to check a box and then to forget about Him. Being saved or Experiencing salvation in Christ is, is more than simply knowing about Christ. It's more than head knowledge. It's more than even knowing the mission of Christ. It is acknowledging your need for Jesus as Savior and surrendering your life to Him as Lord. Giving Him your life. For this reason, Paul could write what he did in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in Him. Received Him as Lord. Paul's reminding his original readers, believers in Colossae, of their hearing the gospel. We already found out in reading and studying this letter that they most likely, or the majority of them, heard the gospel through Epaphras, who had heard the gospel and come back to Colossae and began proclaiming that gospel, proclaiming the good news of salvation in Christ, he's reminding them that they had heard that gospel and reminding them of the time that they received that gospel. That they responded to that truth and they did so by trusting in Jesus as Lord, as Master, kneeling before Christ, surrendering their lives to Christ, expressing a desire to follow after Jesus Christ. It's as if Paul is saying here, you You received Christ Jesus as Lord, now live like He is your Lord. Billy Graham once said that one is not truly converted, excuse me, one is not truly converted until he has surrendered his will to Christ as Lord, Savior, and Master. One is not truly converted until he has surrendered his will to Christ as Lord, as Savior, and as Master. So how, how do we walk the talk of our faith? How do we continue in our faith? How do we express through our lives that we are genuine converts to Christ and that we have indeed trusted in Christ, that we have indeed received Christ Jesus as Lord and given our wills to Him, surrendered our wills to Him? Well, in 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, we see four ways, four applications of, of this truth, four ways that we, can, that we can practice continuing our lives in Christ. And they're communicated here in verse 7 through four participles in the original language of the New Testament. Participles, words that come from a verbal root expressing something we do, something we engage in, but used as adjectives here in in verse 7. And the first of these is that we are to be rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. In other words, we are to remain firmly attached to Jesus. Remain firmly attached to Jesus. When we trust in Jesus for salvation, when we repent of our sin and turn to Christ, we are forgiven in that moment. We're given new life, new birth. We're declared righteous, innocent before God. How many of you have ever tried to remove a tree or a large shrub from the ground that has roots that go deep in the earth's soil? Anybody ever done that? A few of you, and I certainly would put my hand in that camp. In fact, I remember sometime last year we had a couple small trees, need I say, removed, cut down in our front yard. And after they were removed, I remember going out and thinking, what am I going to do now with these little stumps in our yard? So I got, you know, a few spare minutes one evening. I thought, I'm going to go and take care of these right quick. And I go out and take my shovel and my handy-dandy axe and begin to go to town on this first stump. And I begin to expose the dirt, uh, loosen the dirt around the stump and, and see the main roots of this stump and start chopping, start hacking at those roots. And within five or six minutes, I find myself totally exhausted with no energy left. And about that time, a couple of nice ladies are going on their evening walk through the neighborhood. And of course, I'm fully exposed right here in the front yard. They know exactly what I'm doing. And they see me and one without even slowing down looks over at me and says, you are, you are working at a hopeless task. You might as well give up and just call someone. So you know what I did. I did what any guy would do, and I picked up my axe and went back after that stump. <laughs> I was going to prove her wrong. Well, another two and a half minutes or so, and I'm really done and have nothing to show for it. And before long, I call the stump removal guy, and he comes with his stump grinder and takes care of it in no time at all. But folks... When we trust in Christ for salvation, when we receive Him as Lord, as genuine followers of Christ, we are to remain deeply rooted in Him like roots of a tree that extend and cling to the soil of the earth. We must cling to Christ. After all, Jesus told His followers in John chapter 15, He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He goes on, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain firmly attached to Jesus. And the second application we see here from Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, is that we are to continue growing into the body of Christ. Continue growing into the body of Christ. The first 
image is rooted in Christ, being rooted in Christ, like a tree that's rooted in the ground. The second image is that of being built up in Christ. Built up, image of a building or a structure. Elsewhere in the New Testament, this, this image is used to describe the body of Christ, the church. In fact, Paul is writing to believers in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, and he addresses the household of faith. Believers, Christians, those who are part of God's household. And he, he writes to them, he says, In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. There's a past element of our faith when we turn to Christ for salvation. We are rooted in Him. And now this is descriptive of a present, ongoing process of being built up into Him. Built into His church. Growing as a follower of Christ. Remain firmly attached to Jesus. Continue growing into the body of Christ. And the third phrase that we find here says that we are to be strengthened in the faith as we were taught. Or established in the faith as you were taught. The idea here is to become firmly established in Christian doctrine. Become firmly established in Christian doctrine. There's two ways that that faith is used in the New Testament. First, and the most common, is used in a personal way. Your faith, your belief, your trust in God. But the second, less common, and in fact, the way that it's used here is to describe the faith, the Christian faith, as a set of central beliefs, central truths conveyed in God's Word that, that convey the gospel, central elements of what we believe. In other words, we are to be firmly established in what the Bible teaches. As followers of Christ, as people who have received Christ Jesus as Lord, we, we ought to want to know what His Word says. We ought to want to know the, the truths of His Word. Remain firmly attached to Jesus. Continue growing into the body of Christ. Become firmly established in Christian doctrine. And the last of these describes our gratitude to God. That we ought to be people that are continually grateful for God's goodness and His grace as it is extended to us. The last phrase of Colossians chapter 2 verse 7 says, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness of all people, church. We have every reason to be thankful. As those who have gone from death to life, those who have gone from being under the curse of sin to freed from sin and restored into right relationship with God now, here and now, intimate relationship with our Maker, and relationship that extends for all of eternity into the future. I'm convinced that when we lose sight of the importance of thanksgiving before God, as we so often do, we have either misunderstood what it is that God has done for us in salvation, or we have practically forgotten what he has done for us because we have been distracted by the affairs of the world. Folks, we ought to dwell on what God has done for us. Dwell on on what God has done for us. This is one way that we can practice continuing in our faith. 
Remain firmly attached to Jesus. Continue growing into the body of Christ. Become firmly established in Christian doctrine and dwell on what God has done for you. And in this way, we can be people who walk the talk. People who live like Jesus is is truly Lord. It's important that we note that all of these are descriptive of a process. With the exception of being rooted in Christ, past justification, the rest of these are descriptive of an ongoing process, an ongoing relationship, an ongoing walk with Jesus Christ, the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ. This morning we've been privileged to be led in worship by some men and women who have walked with Christ for much longer than most of us. And at this time, I want us to, to hear from one of these, to hear from someone who has indeed walked with Christ, someone who, whose love for Christ and passion for Christ is evident in the way that he carries himself and the way that he talks and the way that he walks. So Clyde, would you, would you come join me here for just a few moments? Many of you know Clyde Dutton. Clyde has been serving here at Meadowbrook as our minister of senior adults for nearly 10 years. This is his 10th year here. And um, I want to invite you to, to hear from Clyde regarding some of these truths as he's experienced them in his own life for, for the next few moments. But, but Clyde, Colossians 2, verse 6, this first verse that we looked at today, talks about Receiving Christ as Lord and continuing in that that walk with Christ, continuing with our lives in Him. If you would give us give us a glimpse into your conversion story, when and how did you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord? Well, I was privileged to grow up in a Christian family. My dad was uh, my mentor, and I just uh, you know he just led me led me so to come to know Christ. You know, I, I loved church. I loved Sunday school. I loved the singing. I loved the drama that we put on where we put the curtains up in the front of the church. I loved that. And uh, most of the time, I loved the preaching. But, <laughs> you know, most of the time. But because I, I would sit right on the front row, I thought I was pretty good. You know, I thought I was a pretty good guy. But, you know, the Holy Spirit started working with me and he led me to understand that, hey, you need a Savior. And, and he kept dealing with me. And one night after a prayer meeting, Dad and I pulled up in the yard, and he said, son, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, Dad, I know exactly what you're going to say. And he led me to Christ. And the next uh, Sunday morning, I walked down the aisle and made, a, uh, made it public. And then I was baptized. This was a Methodist church, by the way. And I was immersed in Five Mile Creek in that flowing water. I guess the preacher figured I needed the flowing water to be baptized in. I'm not sure what that... (laughs) But But the bottom line is, best decision of my life. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Clyde, for sharing that. Certainly, as we've seen this morning from God's Word, walking with Christ is a journey uh, involving uh, a past uh, decision, a a past time of coming to Christ, receiving Christ, trusting in Christ, and then this ongoing walk with Christ. And certainly, like like any any journey, um, it's characterized by both high points and low points. And 
Uh, with that being said, tell us something that you have learned over the years as, in your faith as you've walked with Christ. Okay. You know, uh, I guess if I could say one thing, I'd have to sum it up like this. God's provincial care has been with me, you know, so evident throughout my life. It, it is amazing how he takes care of us. You know, and, and we think of, of little things just happen, but I think it's, it's God working in our lives every day. And of course, we have to put our faith, our hope, and our trust in Jesus to know that that is his care and that he is doing that for us, you know. And, and when, when we understand all that, we, we, get, we truly get that peace that passes all in understanding. And, and we can truly sing uh, that great, great song, Victory in Jesus, because we do have, we do get that victory in Jesus. And, and you know, you talk, talk about uh, facing things, you know, in our life. There's an old country song. I'm, uh, I call it a country. It's kind of country gospel, I guess you say, God on the mountain. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's, it talks about life is easy when you're up on the mountain. But, you know, and, and you've got peace of mind, everything's going well. But then things change and you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith because you're never, never alone. God is always with us. He's going to be with us. He's going to be on, on that mountaintop. He's going to be giving us the joy that we receive from him. But he's still with us when we hit that valley. And we're going to hit the valley. Everybody's going to have something come down the pike. It makes us get down in that valley. But he's there, and he'll lift us up. Deuteronomy 31, 3 says, God told the children of Israel, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. And praise the Lord. That's the same God we serve today. That's right. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Certainly on a day such as this, a senior adult emphasis, a senior adult Sunday, uh, we're reminded of the generational element of our faith and really the, the intergenerational nature of God's design for the church. And with that being said, how important is it that we instruct our children uh, in the faith? And secondly, how, how would you encourage young parents today uh, to cultivate healthy family relationships for the purpose of passing on a legacy of faith to our children? That's a big question, but we'll, I'll try to answer that. First of all, you see examples throughout God's holy word where family, uh, where the parents have, have passed, on the, passed the faith down to their children. And then there are generations that we see that did not pass the faith on, and, and the next generation failed God miserably. So we have to do that. We've got to pass. It is, it is a responsibility and a duty. It's a great duty as a parent to pass our faith on to our children. I mean, that is, that is such a great honor, but it, it is a responsibility that we have. You know, it's great to see uh, Vacation Bible School. I love Vacation Bible School, and I love to see the results and and especially when a parent comes down with a child, you know, that has made a decision, maybe we're thinking about a decision in vacation Bible school, and they bring them down to the front. That's the example, you know, that, that, that we need, and, and that's the example that parents need to set with their children. It is, it is important also 
for parents to have. I, I set up the priorities as God first always. Then we say, well, it's the church next. No, it's family. This is my, my understanding. It is family, then the church. Sometimes we, as uh, leaders of, the, of, of a congregation or whatever, we can get that out of whack if we don't watch it. I've done that in the past, so, you know. But we need to get that priority, and it's so important for, for, for families to be together as a family, do things together as a family. It's great for young, young adults, well, even us old folks, to have a, a romantic interlude off somewhere. But let me tell you, being with the family makes the memories. I mean, you just, you just can't beat the memories that you have when you come together as a family. So you need to be a part of, of the children's life, and you need to be a part of leading them to God. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Last question. Um, the final phrase that we looked at in our uh, passage from Colossians this morning uh, described being overflowing with thanksgiving, uh, overflowing with thankfulness. And uh, I know that anyone that knows you very well at all knows that uh, that you're a very thankful man, thankful for, for many things. And how important is Thanksgiving in the Christian Christians remain thankful even in the midst of difficult circumstances, things like a, a crumbling marriage or job loss, loss uh, of a loved one or a, a, a terminal cancer? Yeah. You know, uh, being an old music man, and I use the old, you know, that's, it's there. But anyway, uh, I, I think of, of, of songs. Andre Crouch wrote a beautiful song called, uh, called My Tribute. You know, and it says, how can I say thanks for the things that God has done for me, you know, that you've done for me. Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. You know, and the, and the thing goes on and the chorus goes on to God be the glory for everything that he's done in our life. And you know, it's, it's so easy to, to just pass on and, and, and don't offer thanks for what God does for us. You know, he's, he's with us every day. And I was talking about our, our, uh, the providential care. We thank him for that. But we just so many things for, for life. And Toxie always says in his prayer, he's thankful for life itself. I mean, that's a lot right there to say. And uh, we're thankful for our church, our church family. During our family's recent loss, you know, it's this church was such a blessing. I mean, you pour, you're, the outpouring of love was just so, so much. And we want to thank you for that. But, you know, we can, we can face things like that, and we can face cancer. We can face job losses. We can, we can face all these things because we know God is with us. And another song is, in times like these, we need a Savior. We need that Savior to be with us, uh, you know, uh, to, be on, to come alongside and to encourage us and to, to lead us through these situations. And, and sometimes it's, it's tough. But in Psalms 18.2, it states, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and my horn, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So God is my rock. 
and my Savior. And, and that's where I put my trust and that's where I put my faith. And, and if we lean on him, lean on that everlasting arms, he'll carry us through whatever the situation is. Absolutely. Well, Claude, thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for your, your service here. And thank you for your, your wisdom, your leadership. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. And as we transition now into our, our time of response, our hymn of response, would you mind voicing a prayer for us? Lord, we thank you that you are our rock, that you're there with us. Whatever the situation, Lord, it, we, we just, we love you and, and thank you for being that God that is so near. Lord, because we can feel you every day. For everything that goes on in our lives, we, can, we, we know you're there and that we can, we can experience that love. And we thank you for that. We thank you for Chris and his, his uh, service here at Meadowbrook and how he blesses us so with uh, his words and his message and how he leads us, Lord. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for our seniors today, Lord. Bless them. We just thank you for our choir and, and uh, Bob and Jimmy uh, as they played. Lord, we just thank you for that. Now, be with us to the furthest of this service, and we'll give you all the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.